Crossroads. It's Super Sunday and it's about to get serious. Who's ready? Who's ready to dive in here today? I'm excited to be uh, wrapping up this series called Welcome to the Party. And let's make no mistake, it's kind of a party today. We're having a good time. But the reality is the party that we're talking about is the celebration that happens when a life is changed by Jesus. It says in, in Scripture that there is an ultimate celebration going down in heaven when people say yes to Jesus, when they encounter him and accept him into their life. That's when the ultimate party begins. There's literally celebration in heaven. The angels are celebrating because what was lost is found. What is dead is now alive. And there's no greater celebration than that. And throughout the last couple of weeks, we've been kind of looking at what that means, this idea of welcome to the party, through the lens of who Jesus is and what he is about. And a couple weeks ago, Pastor Mark did a great job of walking us through the perspective of Jesus, recognizing that when Jesus sees someone who is lost, he is actively seeking them out. It's like almost an act of desperation, an act of panic. Like, I have to find the one that is missing. So when the lady loses her coin, she turns her house upside down finding the lost coin. When the shepherd loses the one sheep, he goes out and, and keeps searching until he finds that sheep that was lost. When it comes to the story of the prodigal son, there's that realization that this prodigal son decided he was going to do life his own way. He made terrible choices, squandered his fortune, and hit rock bottom. And when there was nowhere left to turn except going possibly back home to his father, completely humiliated, hoping just to be a hired servant at his father's house, the father sees him walking back in humility and embraces him and celebrates because his son who is dead is now alive. His son who is lost has been found. Everything has been returned the way that the father ultimately wanted it to happen. And it's really important for us to recognize that that is the perspective of Jesus. That's how he sees those of us who are hurting, those of us who are desperate for hope. And make no mistake, that's been all of us at some point in our journey. All of us had that moment where we realized, I need Jesus and asked him to come into our life to forgive us, to set us free. That's where that journey begins. But it doesn't just stop there. You realize that's the perspective of Jesus. Last week we talked about the purpose of Jesus. He walks under the tree in Jericho, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He's the little guy who climbed the tree so he could see what was going on. He was the most hated man in all of that region, the chief of the tax collectors. He was ripping everybody off. Nobody liked this guy. And yet when Jesus walks under that sycamore tree, looks up at Zacchaeus, he says, Zacchaeus, I have to go to your house today. This is my appointment. This is the most important thing that I have to do today. And when everybody began grumbling about that, that was all around, why would you go hang out with him? Nobody likes him. Jesus' response was simply, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. That is his purpose. That is the why behind everything that Jesus does. That's who he is. That's what he is about. And today I want to lean into the idea of the power of Jesus, the realization that he is who he says he is. Jesus has the power to change our lives. 
And if you're willing to look at your own story and kind of think about that moment where you encountered Jesus, where he changed your life, I hope that you can clearly see, hey, I'm not the person who I once was. Because Jesus is calling us on this journey where we are continually, every day, becoming more and more like him. I'm praying those prayers, God search me, God break me, God send me. Every single day, God, I'm just saying yes to you. I'm surrendered, my life is yours. That's the life that he's called us to. And while that life can be scary to think about, like yikes, that's a step of faith because what's the greatest fear? If I say, Jesus, send me, the answer is yes. We all are afraid of what? We end up as missionaries in Africa, I get it. Like I'll never use a real toilet again if I say yes to Jesus. It's an irrational fear because the truth is, man, when I say yes to Jesus, that's where my life is lived to the fullest. And I think a lot of times we relegate ourselves to the sidelines. All we look at is all of our failures, all the reasons why God couldn't use us or shouldn't use us. And the realization is that, man, when I say yes to Jesus, he has the power to change me. He forgives me. He sets me free. I'm not who I once was. I don't have to act like I can't approach Jesus like I'm not worthy. No, he's the father who embraces us and and helps us go on this journey to become more like him. That's who he is. That's what he's about. And this verse that we've been talking about throughout this series, it centers around Luke 5.31, which is a verse we were using back in September and October when we began our all-in series, recognizing that if all of us went all-in, that's where the spirit of revival would begin. If all of us were willing to say, we're investing in this, we're committing to going all in. That's the moment where when that attitude happens, when that decision is made, that's when God steps in and starts doing something amazing. And so there's this realization that in Luke 5.31, this is the picture of who Jesus is. It says in Luke 5.31, Jesus says, Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders, an invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. This is a huge snapshot of who Jesus is. And today what I want to do is just give the context for that verse. Because there are some amazing moments that lead up to Jesus saying this. And really describing in a nutshell who he is and what he's about. And so I want to start a few verses earlier there in Luke 5 verses 17. It says this. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. Now, I think we need to stop there because we need to recognize that everything that is said there in that verse, in parentheses, is really just, I think, for probably Luke's own benefit. I don't know if there's any really spiritual guidelines that come from that. He's just identified that everywhere Jesus went, everywhere he taught, These guys were always there, the ones that were always complaining. They were always causing trouble. They were always trying to question Jesus and trip him up. And it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, everywhere we go, these guys are with us. We can't get rid of these guys. It's like it's the crazy uncle that shows up at all the family reunions. You can't get him to leave. Like he's at every one of them. You're like, I don't know who the crazy uncle is. It's it's you, okay? You need to know that. So he's just pointing out, man, everywhere we go, these guys are here and they're always dragging us down. But despite that, listen to what it says. It says, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. 
Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. You guys, that is awesome. Can we just stop and think? This really happened. This is amazing. First of all, the thing we need to point out is, listen to me. If you don't have friends like that, you need to get yourself friends like that. How amazing is that? They have a friend who they deeply cared for. This guy was paralyzed. He could not walk. And in that culture, if you couldn't walk, you were relegated to basically being a beggar at the side of the streets. At the gates to the city, the way you survived was just by the charity of people who walked by. Because that's what you were. You were a total outsider, a total outcast. Think about the life that he is relegated to, the hopelessness that that means. And he has friends who although he's an outcast, he has friends that love him and care about him so much that when they realize Jesus is in town, they're saying to themselves, we need to get our friend to Jesus. How amazing is that? I I want to be that kind of a friend. I mean, here at Crossroads, that's the friend we're trying to be, right? We want to invite as many outsiders as we can to a changed life because Jesus changes lives. Is anybody excited about that today? If Jesus has changed your life, get excited about that. The reality is we want to be that friend. And so these guys, they grab their friend. He's on a sleeping mat. I mean, just picture kind of someone tucked into a sleeping bag, and they're kind of toting him around. And they get to the place where Jesus is, and it's like a, it's a madhouse. There's crowds all over the place. There's no way they're getting in this house because everyone has come to see Jesus. But what do they do? Do they give up? Like, oh, the crowds are busy. We guess we can't get in. No. They're like, hey, I think it's a stairway over there. Where do you think that goes? Let's figure this out. They get up to the roof like, man, if only there was a way we could get There is a way. We can just dig through the tiles. This is fantastic. So they start digging through the tiles. Can you imagine that? Like they move some tiles. Like where's Jesus? Uh, Let's go 10 feet that way. Put it back over there. Back over there. Uh, Three more feet forward. Yeah, this is the spot. This is the spot. And you're like sitting in that room, right? You're trying to listen to Jesus and all of a sudden, there's like dirt and dust, a little piece of a tile falling out. Like, ow, what's going on? All of a sudden, the hole opens up. There's the sun shining through. Everybody's going, what is happening right now? It gets bigger and bigger. Everybody's probably irritated. Like, what is happening? It's happening right over Jesus. And then all of a sudden, this dude in a sleeping bag just kind of gets lowered in front of him like, ta-da. I don't know. It's a crazy entrance. It's like, that's awesome. Good work, good work. Man, his friends did that for him. How amazing is that? So here's the moment. <laughs> They've done their work. They've made the hole in the roof. They've dropped him right in front of Jesus. It's like an unavoidable thing now. Jesus, your move. <laughs> Verse 20. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. Which is an extraordinary statement for Jesus to make. It's not the the statement that he wanted to hear, though. Isn't that interesting? He wanted to be healed. He wanted to be able to walk. Jesus, though, says, young man, your sins are forgiven, which is a powerful statement as to who Jesus is saying that he is. He is saying in that moment, I have the power to forgive your sins. I have the power to change your life completely, change inside and out. It's an incredible moment. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And you know, they're not wrong. Only God can forgive sins. 
So in this moment, when Jesus is claiming to be God, it comes down to that, uh, that old question that C.S. Lewis gave us uh, years ago. When it comes to Jesus, you've got to really put him in one of three categories. I mean, when he says, I am God, I have the power to forgive your sins, to set you up for eternity, and to give you hope. When he makes that statement, there's really only three categories you can put him in. He's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord. Either he's lying straight up and it's just a game to him, or either he's crazy and he thinks he's God but he's not, or he is in fact Lord. He is who he says he is. And so these guys are totally questioning, this is blasphemy, only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? It's an amazing question. Jesus did this all the time to these guys. He would put them in really difficult situations because, well, let's be honest, they were kind of throwing it up there so he could do it for, I mean, they didn't put themselves in a good light. They made it kind of easy for Jesus to do that. And yet, this is an unbelievably huge and important teaching moment. Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? No one would really be able to tell tangibly that your sins were forgiven. I mean, you can say your sins are forgiven. Okay, how do you prove that? Jesus is saying, is it easier just to say that and you never really know if it really happened? Or to see this man who is paralyzed and tell that man to get up and walk? He didn't really wait for them to answer. He said, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up pick up your mat, and go home. And what an incredible moment it was that followed that. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. I think part of that story that we don't see is he's probably looking up at his friends like, yeah! And they're like, woohoo! That's it's really weird. But what an amazing moment that is! Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. This is an incredible moment. It's an incredible story because it speaks to the power of Jesus. What's his perspective? Man, if you are an outsider desperate for hope, he is actively searching, doing everything he can to find you and bring you to him. What's his purpose? What's the why behind everything that Jesus did on planet earth? It's to seek and to save those who are lost. When he was walking up the hill carrying the cross on his back, when he was nailed to that cross, he was thinking about that mission. He came to seek and to save you. He came to seek and to save me. He came for the outsider, not the insider. He came to give us a changed life, change inside and out. And he, he alone has the power to bring the change that we are all desperately searching for. And there's nothing better than celebrating a changed life. You guys, this is who Jesus is. He is the one who has the power to change everything. And when you are watching people's lives get changed by his power, there is nothing better than that, or experiencing it yourself. We have some friends that we have met uh, down in Nashville who run a uh, ministry called Crossbridge that is changing lives. The power of Jesus is moving and working, 
and doing extraordinary things in their ministry. And I wanted to introduce you to them. Enjoy the story of the people of Crossbridge. Started the first restoration house, seeing that there was a real need for more housing, and particularly faith-based housing. So we were already involved in jail ministry, going into the jail and doing worship services, and just seeing right before our eyes what we all hear about, the revolving door of incarceration. And a big part of it was they were returning to housing that really wasn't safe for recovering people. Crossbridge exists um, to end destructive cycles. That the way to ultimately end destructive cycles, well, first off, is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Even with that, uh, people who come to Christ come with all their baggage. They come with all their trauma uh, and, and need healing. So we had the two houses and then two empty lots in between. And we knew that someday we wanted to build on those lots. It's really important to us that our men and our women live in spaces like we would live. When one feels like, well, I just live in a dump, and it, it communicates to them that they're not valuable. We want them to live in beautiful places. We're gonna require them to take care of them. We want them to know and believe that they are valuable, not only to God, but to us. We, we began with the Restoration House program, breaking destructive cycles of addiction for men and women, and then realized that that was not enough, that we needed to break the cycles earlier so that uh, somehow to reach children so that they didn't end up in our Restoration House program. That was the genesis of uh, Kid Power. And then as those kids um, continued in the program and got into the later grades, Youth Power. During the pandemic, as many people were meeting virtually, uh, we were as well, and during that time, it gave us the opportunity to listen to some online uh, services, churches that we could never attend because they weren't in our area. Through a connection with a friend, it was shared with us that Pastor Tim at Crossroads was doing a sermon series on the fruits of the Spirit. Because we were told, we think your people will really connect with this teaching. So we said, okay, that would be a great, you know, change for a few weeks to look at that. We listened to Tim's preaching and we immediately knew that our folks were gonna connect with him. Before we ever, ever streamed that first service, I, I listened very carefully. The messages coming out of, of Goshen are true. That is one of the uh, elemental uh, functions of, of authentic Christ-centered recovery is to expose the lies that we've believed. I had lost, you know, my husband. Um, I lost my family because I pushed them away, ended up losing my son, put myself in a bad situation where I was in a, uh, an abusive relationship. It got so bad to the point where I just didn't want to live anymore. I was going to take a gun and shoot myself, and it's right before I did, I ended up hearing God's voice tell me, Caitlin, I never left you, it's you who left me, and that kind of scared me into wanting to go get help. Restoration House has gave me a second chance. I was able to it was like I got to recreate myself and who I was as a person, the way that God intended it to be. I felt spiritually disconnected before, um, but ever since we started watching Crossroads, it has, you know, I feel that connection again. Like I'm able to relate to the messages. I can put it forth to my life, and that's like a big deal to me. We contacted um, Pastor Tim 
and asked him about the possibility of partnering with Crossbridge in Nashville. We told him a little bit about ourselves and what we were doing. He said, sure. He actually made a trip down here and we talked about it. We actually had a meeting that night with all of our people. And so we asked him, is it possible for you to come to our meeting tonight at the end? Because we'd like for the folks to meet you. They've been watching you. When Pastor Tim walked in the room, you would have thought it was a movie star or a celebrity. They stood up and started applauding and clapping and shouting. And then they were able to share with him, just people just saying, thank you so much. Like your teaching is changing my life. It was a powerful moment and I knew it was for him too. You guys can, just like we want to really connect and feel like we really are a part, we want you to be a part of Crossbridge as well. So it's kind of cliche to say pray for us, but I mean it. We know the power of prayer. So pray for our leadership, our participants, that like you, we have that same vision. I think that's why it's such a good connection is we believe exactly like you do, that people are loved by God. There's nothing they can do about it, but he doesn't want to leave them like they are. I gotta say, I am excited about our friends joining us in Nashville. I just say, welcome to the party, Restoration House. It's great to have you. And can we just celebrate something really cool? Uh, last week, I found out that Bobby said yes to Jesus at the Restoration House while joining us at Crossroads. Can we just celebrate Bobby? And that's a changed life that we wanna celebrate with you today. This is fantastic. It is so awesome when uh, God moves and brings people together, and it just, it's astonishing to see his power at work because he begins doing things that we never would have thought possible and we're just willing to say yes to Jesus. And the power of Jesus, you guys, it is changing lives. It's changing lives here. It's changing lives in our community. It's changing lives around the world. And when we say yes to Jesus, we're tapping into his power. He can radically change our lives. And when we think about this through the lens of Luke chapter 5 and the context for this verse that we've been talking about the last few weeks, it all comes together through these final few verses and this encounter that happens directly after this story we were talking about. It says in verse 27, later, as Jesus left the town where the man had been lowered in front of him and he'd healed him and he left celebrating, it says he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me. And be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, he left everything, and he followed him. This is a beautiful moment. Levi, another tax collector, another one of these guys that everybody's saying, oh, Jesus, stop talking to these people. They're awful. And Jesus is saying, no, this is who I came to save I'm here for the outsider. The healthy don't need a doctor, the sick do. And in that one beautiful moment where Levi and Jesus have never met, Jesus just says, Levi, follow me. Be my disciple. And it's a beautiful moment where immediately Levi gets up. He just leaves everything behind and he follows Jesus. It's a beautiful moment that changes everything. In verse 29, it goes on to say, later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. 
Why do you eat and drink with such scum? I mean, they can't get over this, right? It's the constant struggle. They're always there. They're always watching. It's that kind of a thing. (laughs) And that leads to this verse. This is the context. Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders. An invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. That's who Jesus is. That is what he is about. And what's extraordinary is that who you are right now is not who you are relegating to being for the rest of your existence. Your life can be dramatically changed. There is hope. And there is hope in Jesus. What I love about Levi the tax collector is that he actually goes on to become known to us in Scripture as Matthew. Matthew, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, Matthew, who actually is the author of the first book of the New Testament that records the life of Jesus. What an amazing transformation that is for Matthew, going from scum that no one should hang out with, a tax collector, just someone who is hated, an outsider, to becoming a deeply devoted follower of Jesus, who got to witness firsthand everything that Jesus did, the outsider, the scum, the thief, the tax collector that ended up writing one of the books of the Bible in the New Testament. What an incredible transformation that is. I got to know, I gotta, I, you have to know today, not only is that who Jesus is, but this is what Jesus is all about. He came to seek and to save you. He came to seek and to save me. And Jesus can change your life. And today, I just, I want to make sure that you know you are being invited to experience a changed life. If you have already said yes to Jesus, know this. It didn't just end, you know, the journey hasn't finished, you know, the moment you accepted Jesus. No, that's where the journey begins. The Christian life is all about every single day saying yes to Jesus, allowing him to transform me, allowing him to change me, allowing him to, to, to transform me into becoming more like him. That's the beauty of those dangerous prayers. When I say, God, search me, God, break me, God, send me, that's him every single day helping me become more and more like him. That's what the life is all about. And that's a life that has been transformed by his love. When we encountered Jesus, it changed everything. But maybe you're here today and you've never taken that first step. And you're realizing you have an opportunity to encounter Jesus. You realize that you are desperate for hope and that the life you've been chasing is not delivering on the promises that it said it would give you. I want to invite you today that if you need to say yes to Jesus, this is the moment that can change everything. Because he came here to seek and to save you. That's the why behind everything that Jesus did. That is how much he loves you. It doesn't matter who you are, what condition you are that you walked through this door. He loves you and there is nothing you can do about it. And as we close today, I want to give everyone a chance to be invited to a changed life. Because that's who Jesus is. And that is what he is all about. So Crossroads, would you join me? Wherever you are, would you just stand with me in this moment? And can we give everyone here a chance to accept an invitation to a changed life today? And I just want to challenge you that if, you have, if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, your heart might be racing a little bit, you're a little bit sweaty, you don't know why, you're maybe panicking a little bit, 
maybe just maybe God's, God's speaking to you. And he's calling you to say yes. And I would just encourage you in this moment that if you pray this prayer believing in who Jesus is, that he came to seek and to save you, this is a prayer that can change your life. So can we pray this prayer out loud together? Repeat it after me. Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world, that you gave your life to forgive my sins, and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. And can we just give God the glory and the praise today because he is who he says he is. He is the God who changes everything. And we got to give him the praise and glory for who he is and what he has done. I want to invite you today. If you said yes to Jesus for the very first time today, we have a gift for you. I would love for you to come and talk to Pastor Keith. Wave your hand. He is actually not Brian Erlacher. He's just in a Brian Erlacher jersey. Uh, and he would love to take that first step with you uh, and help, help you take the first steps that you need to take to understand this journey that you've begun and to encounter Jesus in a fresh new way. Uh, these are good days here at Crossroads, you guys. Lives are being changed. Uh, we're celebrating what God is doing. And I want to just remind you, in two weeks, we have a baptism service where we can celebrate lives that are being changed. And so if you have said yes to Jesus but have not taken that next step, sign up to be baptized because we want to celebrate your life that has been radically changed by Jesus.